When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. No landing, soft landing, or something more. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Peter Bookvar, the CIO of the Bleakley Advisory Group. Hi, Peter. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Good. We stole that line right from your note because it is the question that everyone's asking. I mean, this this week's really been a wake-up call. So much of the data seems to be coming in above estimates or expectations, um, most worryingly, some of those inflation readings, including PPI today. What do, what do you make of all of this? Well, it's it's mixed. You, a manufacturer, U.S. manufacturing is in a recession. Uh, we, we saw that through January with both ISM and the S&P Global PMI uh, for, for a few months now. And the February manufacturing data that we've gotten so far in New York and Philly, uh, they're well below zero, so they're still contracting. Uh, the housing industry is essentially in a recession. Uh, I, I think this, this it is interesting you know, to how you, the intro you had with no landing, soft landing. Uh, I laugh when I hear no landing. Yeah. Um, I, I think you, you, don't, you don't take interest rates from zero to five in a year and 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 have no landing. I mean, that, that's, well, that's that's a really good point, Peter. That's a really good point. Talk to us about why, because this no landing is everywhere. By the way, I mean, I know that's why you're talking about it and we're talking about it. But this idea that the economy is just you know going kind of going gangbusters and it's not even looking like it's slowing down. Um, what what do we un- need to understand about that sort of you know um, mechanism of Fed tightening and the lag effects? Well, the, the only thing that's doing well is you know, is the employment picture. You take retail sales, which also came out this week, it was better than expected. But if you extend out the increase, and we'll look at core retail spending for January, November, December, we're down. From October through January, core retail sales are up in total four-tenths of a percent. That, that's not reflecting a strong consumer. And, and January is also... A, a quirky month with a lot of discounting. A lot of people are using their gift cards. Uh, there's clearance sales left and right. So uh, I'm not using that as my, my gauge. Uh, I mentioned rest, uh, manufacturing. I mentioned housing. Uh, so I think the, the question really should be is what type of recession we're going to have. And it's not just are we going to have a harsh one or a soft one. It's, it's how long or how elongated this potentially could be. And as long as interest rates stay high for a while, this is going to be something that's going to be drawn out. Now, is there really a difference between 1% growth, which we saw in 2022, and let's just say the economy in 2023 declines 1%? Yeah, you can define that as a soft landing, but it's still a recession. And typically, a, a, a mild recession 
leads to a mild recovery sometimes. And mm. the reverse, sometimes you get a, a sharp decline and a, and a quick rebound. I, I think the problem that the economy has, and this is also a problem for the markets, that it doesn't seem that people have really gotten their heads around the potential impact is just having rates. Let's just say the Fed stops raising rates. And we know they're going to raise a few more times. Let's just say they stop. Just keeping rates high for a while is itself tightening, continued tightening, uh, because of all the debt that comes due every single month that's going to re be repriced at a much higher rate than the debt that's coming due. And that that's really economic activity. That's really important, right? So when you say the debt coming due, that's like, oh, if you uh, you know um, you turn your car in and your lease is up and you go to get a new one or anything that is that's time like that. A business loan, the business goes to get another loan. Everything's going to reprice higher, right? It's exactly right. And whether it's somebody's adjustable rate mortgage that just so happens to be coming due this year. Uh, you mentioned the, the car situation. That would be two great examples for households. But credit card debt is, is uh, you, you have to pay uh, interest on an outstanding balance while you're paying 20% uh, interest on that. If you're a business that has floating rate debt, if you are in commercial real estate that has, you took out a construction loan back in 2000 and, um, uh, 2020, mm -hmm. and it happens to be coming due in 2023, you're in trouble. Uh, so this. But this is what happens when you have 15 years of basically flat and then you go vertical in interest rates in one year. Yeah. Uh, it, it's going to, and then you stay there. Uh, there is a multi year adjustment that's going to take place here. So it's, it's to say that there's no landing with a, a, a 5% short term interest rates where a lot of debt's going to get repriced to 5% plus, uh, I, I think is, is um, you, you'd have to throw out. All of history, I think that we're not going to have a recession because recessions follow expansions as night follows day. And if there's something that's going to cause one, it's going to be the most aggressive monetary tightening in 40 years. That's a great, great point. I mean, we're kind of instant gratification, right? And so, you know, people have been like, well, they've been hiking since March and uh, thinking that they would start to to see the effect of that. And um, Steve mentioning in our chat, uh, no landing now means harder landing later, I fear. I mean, is is that a risk that, you know, because we have a multitude of Fed officials talking um and I mean, Loretta Mester mentioning, oh, at the last meeting, I thought there was a case for 50 and Buller jumping in this afternoon saying, I'm comfortable with 50. I mean, they seem to be responding as if it's not working and there's no lag, too. I, I think the theory behind, OK, no landing now means harder one later is because there's a dead response to the type of landing that we have. So the implication is if we have no landing yet, yeah, the Fed's going to keep on tightening and eventually we're going to get the hard land. Mm -hmm. Or it, if we had a, a, a modest recession that was enough to raise the unemployment rate and enough to cool further inflation, well, then the Fed doesn't have many more rate hikes left and maybe uh, actually has room uh, to cut rates by the back end of this year. So I think that that sort of is the, I'm guessing, the intellectual, intellectual reason for that argument. Mm -hmm. um, but again, as long as rates stay high for a while, it, it's going to just cut away at economic activity because more cash flow is going to be dedicated to interest expense yeah. than hiring and growing one's business. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think that, I mean, you, you make great points about the parts of the economy that are, we are already seeing weaken, and we know a lot of the sort of lingering strength has been in services, but there were some little things that were coming up here and there, and I wonder if you were looking at them and what your take is. Um, and one of them, um, Andreas was writing about in, or, or did a video on in his latest Deno Signals um, that's released today, and he was talking about the pricing package Power, some of the reports on the pricing power of small businesses. Let's listen to a clip of that and then we'll talk on the other side. But we also received an interesting news from um, corporate America when it comes to price pressures this week. And the most interesting survey on inflation delivered on a monthly basis is called the NFIB price plan survey. So you basically ask SMEs whether they expect to hike prices or not over the coming three months. And there is still sort of a net increase in prices to be expected um, from SMEs. But judging from the signal of this survey, we should expect inflation to decline to a level around three and a half to 4%. But interestingly, this price survey leads the inflation basket by roughly half a year. And the most recent print received this week actually bounced a little bit. So price plans were increased relative to uh, what we saw just a month ago from the SMEs. And therefore, I think it is by now relatively safe, safe to assume or fair to assume that the terminal inflation rate is running between three and a half and 4% in the US economy, not close to the 2% that is ultimately the target of the Federal Reserve. And that full episode is available on our website. Just scan the QR code you see or hit the link uh, and you can that will take you to the place where you can sign up. Um, so, Peter, are you, you know, these sort of small businesses are really important part of the economy. What are you seeing there? And should we be paying attention to the level or is it the sort of, you know, future expectation and the direction that's important? It's a good question. I mean, I, I agree with with what he's saying. Uh even Kraft uh, on Wednesday, after raising prices by 15%, 15% in 2022, they said they don't plan on raising prices in 2023, but we still, the economy still has to absorb that 15% increase. But on a rate of change basis, yeah, inflation is going to continue to moderate. But I also agree with what he said at the end, that we're not just going to go down to 2% and stay there. Uh, maybe we do one month or two months on a rate of change basis, but I agree with that, that inflation is going to settle out at something that's going to be three to four rather than going back to this pre-COVID trend of one to two. I mean, the days of, of, of cheap money and one to 2% inflation is over. It, it's just a matter of where this current environment settles out at. And you just watch market behavior so far, at least over the last couple of weeks. Because uh, I understand the markets rally through up until the payroll number, but I don't understand the stock rally since with interest rates up. It just seems that people haven't fully understood that the 2020-2021 party, um, or even the last 15 year. Party, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> they haven't just grasped the, the, the reality. And they think that just when the Fed's done raising interest rates, that we're going to go back to partying again. And it's, it's just, it's not happening. The world has changed. 
Yeah. Um, a lot of points there I want to follow up on. Um, if you have any questions, you know what to do. You can drop them in the live chats, either on YouTube or our platform, or you can tweet us at Real Vision. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So, if we are looking at a rate that is going to hover closer to three and four percent, and who knows, that also might be optimistic. Uh, what does that mean for the Fed? It means that. Um they're, they're not going to be able to have much room to cut rates in the next economic downturn, which we're right here about to have one. Uh, now we'll see how it plays out, speaking to what we talked about earlier. Uh, but if you're in the back half of this year, I do think the Fed will try to cut. But the days of just going from 6.5% to 1%, which Greenspan did, or Bernanke going from five and a quarter in the Fed funds down to zero, they're just not going to have the same flexibility. So we're talking about maybe taking the Fed funds rate from five to four going into 2024, or five to even three. But that, that's it. it, it it's it, their, their response function will be um, will be there to an economic downturn. But uh, again mimicking what the the modern day monetary policy uh, became post 07 08 crisis uh it, they're just not going to have that 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 same uh leeway to do as they once did mm. because inflation i believe is going to remain uh pretty sticky albeit at a lower pace than what we're seeing now that's a that's a really new environment that we're operating in. So would you expect, I mean, we're going through earnings period, right? And, you know, there have been uh, definitely misses, and but there have been some, some stocks that have certainly done better than expectations. You could argue expectations were were off and, and you know, you have to look at it on an absolute level. But look at Cisco yesterday. They had double digit revenues. I mean, there was spending on tech infrastructure. Maybe some of it's backlogged, but, you know, if we're in an interest rate environment where the the Fed is higher for longer, but and inflation is running at sort of three to four percent, can companies operate in that? What what does that do to to valuations? Well, valuations will continue to get compressed, and and, and I know that we're we're debating now. Okay, so you had twenty twenty two, you had you took a lot of froth out of the market, and you had a re rating of just about everything, and at least. Looking at the S&P 500, we went from, what, 22 times earning, earnings down to about 17. Now we ticked up to about 19. Part of that is the rally in the market, and part of that is reduced earnings expectations. Uh, but where does that settle out? And, and, and to me, there's just, with rates where they are, with QT, there's just no way, in my opinion, that bear markets bottom at 17 times earnings. Now, you can argue, well, what, would that, what that earnings number is going to be, but I think it's going to be much lower than it is now, uh, you know. But to Cisco, yeah, there are some some bright spots with earnings, and and there is some capital spending. But capital spending is is slowing, notably with small and medium sized businesses. 
Uh, we saw that in the NFIB data this week because they have, le- they have less leeway. They have less cash flow. Their business is slowing. One of the levers they pull back on is capital spending, <laughs> natural business reaction. It's the bigger companies that, that have more balance sheet flexibility mm. to keep on spending. But even there, uh, I, I do expect uh, capital spending to, 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 to pull back a bit because profit margins are getting squeezed. And companies are going to do what they can to sort of recapture some of this lost profit margin and the potential for further degradation uh, in, in, in profit margins. Now, earnings overall, uh, I sarcastically tweeted out before earnings season that I guarantee that about 75% of companies that report will beat earnings expectations because that's always the case. That's the earnings game that they play with analysts. Mm. But even at that level, uh, the last data I've seen from FactSet earlier this week only about 69% of companies are beating. And those that are, are only beating by about 1% versus the historical average of call it around 5 to 6%. So earnings season has been, um, relative to what we've seen, has been somewhat disappointing. And uh, I expect as the quarters progress from here, we'll get further declines in, in, in earnings estimates for the full year. Yeah, which which it certainly doesn't seem like it's in the market right now. Um. Great question. So let's switch to bonds. We'll go back to stocks in a minute, but let's let's switch to talking about bonds. We did see yields moving higher today, but is there also a big adjustment to come with the bond market? Well, we've certainly seen. I mean, going into this year, uh, you know, the two biggest bothers and backaches we had in 2022 was this very sharp rise in inflation, of course, and, and very sharp rise in rates. And then toward, towards the end of 2022 into, 20, into the first call it, uh, month of January, you know, we got relief. Inflation started to moderate. The Fed recalibrated its interest rate hikes from 75 to 50 down to 25. And everyone thought, okay, worst is over, which, which, I, which I understand that mentality, particularly after uh, the disappointing year we had last year. But on payroll Friday for January a few weeks ago, that changed Everything again with the bond market. That decline in interest rates reversed itself. The 10-year yield, which literally got to the penny almost of its 200-day moving average in the 10-year yield, has now gone up 50 basis points. The two-year has gone up 55 basis points. So the, the bond market has heightened policy by 50 basis points. And the stock market is sort of in this la-la land, um, not adjusting. And I think that's more of a delayed reaction rather than the stock market uh, being correct on this. I think just the momentum of January was so intense that it carried over in the face of this rise in interest rates. But the bond market has adjusted pretty notably over the last couple of weeks, and not just to the data of the payroll number and uh, the inflation stats, but very tough talk from central bankers, and not just in the U.S., but plenty of ECB members that um, reinforce that they're going to go another 50 and QT is starting. And now we have a new governor uh, soon in the BOJ that uh, could uh, switch uh, or could continue with tightening as well. So the bond market's in a much different place here. Uh, like I said, the stock market to me is still in la la land. Yeah, and and they but you know they both can't be right, right? So something something has to give. Uh, G Blackburn asking a great question and it's on my mind as well. How are you incorporating QT quantitative tightening into your Fed analysis? So much of the discussion has been around rates. Will they go fifty? Are they done? Are they going to pivot? What about QT? Uh, well, just as as the market partied with QE, QT I think is is uh, a continued negative backdrop for the markets, and I, I and I 
hear the arguments from some, well, uh, you have to look at the liquidity picture in totality. Uh, the Bank of Japan is still injecting money and the Treasury General Account and the reverse repo facility and, and all these different cross currents. And, you know, QT is not yet mattering, but uh, I, 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 I get it. I hear that argument, but uh, I think as the months progress, uh, QT becomes more of a, of a challenge uh, for liquidity and for markets. And to me, that is just a major form of tightening that doesn't necessarily affect too much the economy, whereas as changes in interest rates more directly do, whereas QT more indirectly affects rates. But just the psychology on asset prices, uh, again, just looking at, the, uh, at, at how much people got excited about buying anything and everything during QE, uh, you, you would have to think that QT is going to have the same uh, opposite uh, impact. Mm. Uh, do you think they've, they've kind of been, I don't want to call it tiptoeing because we're still talking about large amounts of money, but given the size of their balance sheet, they've been fairly conservative and consistent with what they're doing. Do you think if they're struggling to get inflation under control, they get more aggressive on that front? I, I think they're going to stick with what they have right now and, and, and see how things play out. Uh, I, I, I think you, you hear you have an economy that in size has exceeded where it was pre-COVID and the Fed's balance sheets double where it was pre-COVID. So there, there's quite um, a, a disconnect there still. Uh, another question, um, and this this has been coming up a lot recently, uh, Natal asking, bond swap shouldn't vol and rates vol bottoming. What does Peter think of traders pricing in increased volatility going ahead? Yeah, so like looking at the move index, which would be a good way of, of measuring that. Uh, a few months ago, it got up to 160, and now it's come down to about 100. So that, that's been interesting is that you've seen this sharp rise in interest rates, and bond volatility is still somewhat subdued, uh, which tells me that uh, it may not be that subdued for much longer, and that we may have uh, a, a, another rise in bond volatility ahead of us, which would also uh, spill over and translate into uh, higher volatility and aka lower stock prices in response. Why do you think it's been so subdued? It's it but that and and you know on another front, consistently people have been surprised to see credit spreads so tight. It, it's some things don't seem to be having the same reaction function that they you would expect. Well, just to say again, like I understand the rally in the markets in January, both in credit and equities. Again, because we, the market sort of said, okay, uh, what bothered us the most last year, we're seeing relief on inflation and, and, and the Fed. And, and yeah, and just the belief that, okay, the coast is clear. Inflation's rolling over and the Fed's almost done. Uh, but again, the, the rate market has, has had a big uh, adjustment the last couple of weeks. And um, so, so I, I, I do think we're on the cusp of uh, after the January rally, uh, a rewidening of credit spreads, which, as you said, really tightened up, whether it was high quality stuff, even down to the triple C's, where you were trading uh, at the lows in December, I think like 1,200 over, and we narrowed to about 850 as of uh, just a day or two ago. Uh, I think you could be on the cusp of, of a rewrite because what's happening also that the stock market is ignoring is. This, like I said earlier, this, this 
degradation in the earnings picture. I mean, we are now in the beginning of an earnings recession. So um, that is something that's been ignored. But now you have a re-rise in rates and the weakening earnings picture. To me, that's the perfect cocktail for a, a widening again in credit spreads. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Uh, Trillionex asking, do you think the Fed could raise the dots on March 22nd on their next uh, at their next meeting? I think I the think dreaded the- dot plot for those of you who, yeah. are, who are don't follow this closely, where they give their forecast for what they're expecting. I don't think it's going to change that much. I think the terminal rate the last uh, dot plot was, I think, 5.4, which implies five and a quarter, five and a half. And I think I think that's where they'll end up, five and a quarter, five and a half. So. I don't think uh, there's going to be much. So how many more hikes they have is not really relevant anymore because they're almost done. It's how long will they stick with rates at these levels? Do they start feeling comfortable where they can start cutting if inflation starts to moderate down to three? Uh, What is their tolerance for rising the unemployment rate? Or do they want to just stay tough because they don't want to see markets go crazy to the upside and mm-hmm. uh, on, on hints of a, of a cut and all of a sudden we got this 1970 situation where inflation rolls down and then it starts to, to tick back up again. Um, either way, again, rates are going to stay high for a while and that is a much different backdrop, macro backdrop than anything we've seen uh, over the past 15 plus years, where most people in the markets, most people running a business, have just known zero rates in QE. It's true, all of us, even consumers. Um, Ralph bringing up a good point um, that a lot of people are, you know, sort of li- listening or caught between that bearish view and a rally that's seen some incredible moves. He's listing Tesla, Marathon Digital, and others up over 86, 100%. There have been other stocks as well that people that are just flying again and people are chasing. Is that just irrational? It, what, how do you kind of square that, that activity? It, it's sort of an echo of, of February 2021. Uh, and, and, the market's very simplistic viewpoint that uh, you know Fed backing off. It, you know it's time to it's time to take risk again. It's time to get aggressive again to the point where the Bloomberg Financial Conditions Index uh, is the easiest since uh, before the the they started raising interest rates, which is pretty astonishing. But you know the market uh, always has these bouts of speculation, and you can throw in the the uh, the zero. Uh, expiration options that help facilitate uh, that sort of gambling, since it's uh, literally a day's worth of gambling. Mm. People that just don't feel like uh, driving to Atlantic City or flying to Vegas or some other casino, you can just trade uh, and bet on where the stock will be at four o'clock relative to where it is at nine thirty uh, Eastern time. So um, 
I, I do think that uh, with rates rising again, that that level of speculation is about to be tested, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what kind of sustainability a lot of these meme stocks have. Um, but this is sort of 2.0 meme yeah. stocks, and that's not going to have the same sort of uh, breadth and, and 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 craziness as we saw a couple of years ago. I'm laughing because even on a, a week coming after this, uh, we have a comment from Michael, completely, from what I can tell, unrelated to anything, just saying, I'm tired of hearing about how great Patrick Mahomes is. <laughs> there may be some people who share that sentiment with you, I'm Michael. Assuming, but it, I'm assuming he's an Eagle fan. Exactly. It made me, it made me absolutely laugh out loud. Um, so, Peter, as you're, as you're looking ahead, so if I'm listening to everything you're saying, you know, my takeaway from this conversation is be careful, right? There is a, uh, the bond market is sort of paying attention and reacting, but there's pain coming. You're not going to see, even in the rear view mirror, the move we've had in interest rates without there being pain in the economy and the adjustment to this higher rate, interest rate, higher inflation environment that we're living in is something we haven't seen in 15 years. And there will be an adjustment. The lag time, it, it means it's just not here yet. So there's kind of a, re, a big reality check coming and probably a big adjustment in equity prices. If, if that's a fair sort of summary, what are you looking at as we move forward? What's key here? Is it the labor market? Well, for the U.S., uh, it'll be the labor market in terms of um, the rates market for sure. Uh, I would not be surprised if we had a couple of months of weaker than expected jobs numbers, which I expect considering the January one was such an outlier to the upside. Maybe you get some relief on rates. Uh, but I think the China reopening is a big deal. So I know I, I sound somewhat you know, gloomy on the U.S., but there are some bright spots. And I think the China reopening is a huge deal for at least the Asian region and Europe, too, that do a lot of business with China. The U.S. doesn't really do as much with them as, we, as, as they do with us. I mean, they ship to us you know, $500 billion-ish worth of stuff. We only sent to them about $150 billion. So that China reopening is going to really help that region, the Asian region, and, and, and many parts of Europe where China is their biggest trading customer. So there's going to be opportunities. I mean, the CAC and the FTSE 100 today close at all-time record highs. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. That was on my list. And I was really surprised to see that. Should I have been so surprised? Well, at least you look at the UK, that market's dirt cheap. There, there's a, a nice dividend yield of about 4%. Uh, it, it's, it's heavy in commodities, which are going to benefit also from the China reopening. Uh, we happen to own a few of the big energy companies that trade there. Uh, so I've been positive on the UK market for a while because of its, its cheapness. And th th these markets didn't participate over the past 10 years. So it's what's telling you is that what we've seen so far to year to date is, is the, the potential for international market outperformance relative to the US. Uh, and this is not just going to be a one month thing. This could be a multi-year thing. And that investors need to widen their uh, geographic vision in, in, uh, in terms of investing. That's so interesting. Even though there's still war raging in Europe. Yeah, I mean, they, they and got, an energy crisis that's not really been resolved. Mother Nature was very kind this year, but yes. that may not be the case next year. Right. They have to refill uh, for next winter, and that's going to be a much more difficult thing to do. But um, I, I think that Europe is, has done a pretty good job of, of getting through this winter. Yes, Mother Nature definitely helped. But um, I think they're going to be a big uh, beneficiary, as I said, to uh, this China reopening. And, and, and keep in mind with the China reopening is that 
you know, we're talking 17% of the world's population that was locked up for three years. Yeah. Uh, I'm amazed at how nonchalant people are. We saw you what know, happened here and it's still happening. Population onto the world. Yeah. And yeah, the plenty of people there have PTSD over, over COVID and it's going to take some time to get out there again, but they're going to get out there and the consumer is going to spend and they're going to travel and they're going to try to uh, re regain three years lost to them. Yeah. And we know, we know what, we still can't get into restaurants, right? Even though we know a recession's coming and interest rates are higher. That's why the service side is holding up because in some way people are still, still living out, you know, the, the, the repercussions from having been locked away. Yeah. And that also points to still, still this sort of like two lane economy where, you know, higher income people can certainly manage higher inflation much easier than, than low to middle income people. On the flip side though, it's blue collar workers that have a lot more uh, labor leverage over their employers mm -hmm. than, than white collar people do. Uh, if, if I need you on the spot at work, uh, you're tough to find and I'm gonna pay you to get you. Uh, and whether that's a nurse, a pilot, a flight attendant, uh, someone working on the TSA line, uh, someone who is the, the working a desk at a hotel uh, or, or other areas of leisure and travel, uh, they, they're, they're still in demand uh, and they have the leverage, whereas white collar workers have a lot less leverage than right now. Yeah. Chat GPT. <laughs> We're all going to be, well, hopefully not all of us. Hopefully we won't all be replaced. Um, Peter, so many great points really about sort of the way the economy really works under higher interest rates and all the things that, you know, we have to take into consideration, especially as we reset to that higher price. I think it's easily forgotten in the conversation, but really fantastic to have them brought up again today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Maggie. Appreciate having me on. And thanks to all of you. Great conversation. Thanks for, for, for participating and for the great questions. Uh, tomorrow, we are going to be back with Sri Kumar for another extended RVDB. So you want to make sure to set your calendars. And uh, if you're not already a member, hit the link or the QR code so that you can join ahead of time and stay for the entire um, episode. So we look forward to seeing you then. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.